passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It's the amazing Rico Bronya podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Rico Bronya. The New York Mets did win two out of three against the Milwaukee Brewers. But here's the real celebration. The Mets leave these three game series against the Brewers in the exact same standings place as when they went into this series. And to me, that's a victory. The Mets played an above 500 playoff contender while the Atlanta Braves played one of the worst teams in baseball. So to walk out of this series in the exact same spot we were in going into this series is a major, major win. And I do have to admit this. The Braves losing the final game of this series to the Washington Nationals has probably changed the mood of this podcast in a major, major way. While I try to be, as much as I can, I try to be reasonable. I try. I can be emotional at times. I can be unreasonable at times. And I think that if the Braves had completed the sweep against Washington, which they should have done and they could have done, I watched the game while doing the Carton Roberts program, so I wasn't completely locked in, but they did make that base running mistake when they were about to have bases loaded one out. There was a strike three call that looked like ball four. But once they lost that game, to me, the edge was off on the finale of this series against the Brewers because I was able to take a step back and say, look, you're playing a three-game series against a playoff contender. Winning two out of three is a win. Now, if the Braves had done their job and beaten the Nationals, I probably wouldn't be reasonable. I'd probably be screaming about the lifeless offense and screaming about Drew Smith throwing a cookie on 0-2 to Aroldis Chapman's BFF, Mike Brousseau. I'd be destroying them at offense again. But I think that the brave loss has allowed us, at least me, and I hope it's done it for you as well, 
has allowed us to take a step back and say, hey, this was a good series. You know, and, and I think what scared me so much about earlier this week was exactly that. The Mets were playing a good baseball team. The Atlanta Braves were playing a terrible baseball team. And look, there was a long stretch of time where it was the opposite. I fully admit that, where the Mets were playing really bad teams and the Braves were playing pretty good teams. So I know it all evens out at the end, but I was just looking at this three-game set and I was very nervous that as we recorded this podcast, I was going to have to say, we're actually trailing the Braves even though we're tied. Because to me, it's all about the loss column. Now, that will be eliminated real soon. The Braves have two games in hand. They'll play one of the extra games on Thursday. They'll play another extra game on Monday, I think, is the day that they have an extra game that they'll play. Not Thursday. I think it's Monday, if memory serves correct. So eventually, the lead is going to be the lead, or the deficit's going to be the deficit. But it's all about the loss column. And because the Atlanta Braves lost on Wednesday afternoon, I'm in a, I'm actually in a really good mood despite the horrific Met game that they played against the Brewers on Wednesday afternoon. Do you share that sentiment, Hoff, that it's a happy time right now? Oh, 100%. I mean, if the if the Braves, like you said, if the Braves won today, it would be a different story. But I'm, I'm not happy the Mets lost, but... The confidence is starting to build back up again. They swept the, the the Pirates, and then the first two games of the series really reminds you of how good this team has been all year. And I don't care, like, dude, it wasn't great against the Cubs, but hiccups happen throughout a long season. So that's, I take that into perspective. And, and I think you hit on something I completely agree with. When you look at the first two games of this series against Milwaukee, they did things that are reminiscent of what has made this team special throughout the season. And we'll obviously go deeper into these games. We'll discuss the Max Scherzer perfect game bid, my concern about this lineup against lefties, and obviously the latest on the Nimmo McNeil injuries. But just quickly on a snapshot of what you said, you beat one of the best pitchers in baseball in Corbin Burns. You kind of wear him out because you don't get to him in the first three, four innings of the game. Then Alonzo breaks through with that bomb of a home run. So you beat an elite-level pitcher, the kind of pitcher you're going to have to beat in the postseason. And then in game two, even though it's essentially a bullpen game, you fight back. In a game that felt dead man walking. In a game in which it felt, right or wrong, like the offense was going through a hangover from a a champagne celebration the night before. So I think you saw the comeback ability of this team in game two, and you saw their ability to beat an elite level pitcher in game one. Game three, and and I'll start there because it's the most recent game. Taiwan Walker was mostly good. And again, this is one of those games I talk about acknowledging I'm on the air as this game's happening. So like 99% of the games that the Mets play, I'm actually watching every single pitch. I'm scoring it. I'm I'm geeking out to the highest level. When we're on the air, it's a very different story. So my analysis of this game is from what I saw. And what I saw was an offense that had a few opportunities early and did nothing. Sounds familiar. Sounds like the Cubs series. I thought Taiwan Walker was tremendous. And then Buck pushed him a little bit. I got no problem with that because his pitch count was really low. Let him start the seventh inning. Got into trouble. Goes to David Peterson. And then eventually goes to Drew Smith. And I want to take Buck's side on this. The reason why I liked, I did, and I said this off air to Lugie and Big Mac because we were at commercial break when this happened. So they'll, they'll vouch for me, I guess. The reason I liked going to Drew Smith with the bases loaded against Purcell is that we don't have a lot of time. To me, the playoffs start on Friday against Atlanta. So counting this game, 
the New York Mets have six games until the playoffs start. Because that's really the way I look at it. You play the Braves, there's no effing around. I'm sorry. When you play the Atlanta Braves, there's no let's, let's challenge this guy. Let's face, no, no, no. You got to win those games. So this is about figuring out what you have in Drew Smith, who hasn't pitched in the major leagues in two months. This is about figuring out, hey, can David Peterson get a left-hander out? Can David Peterson be a somewhat reliable bullpen arm? And the truth is, this is how we find out. And David Peterson essentially did his job. I mean, think about it. He faced three batters. He got the sacrifice bunt. He struck out Christian Yelich, and he issued an intentional walk. I mean, so David Peterson succeeded essentially in what he was asked to do. Okay, issues the intentional walk. Here comes Drew Smith. I totally get the idea of, hey, come on, you don't trust Seth Lugo more? You don't trust, not that he was going to go to Adam Adovino in that spot, he wasn't, but you don't trust Adam Adovino more? I do, but we need to see what's up with Drew Smith. And if your point is, well, start him in a low leverage spot, how much time do you think we have left? There's not a lot of time. If you agree with my point that the playoffs start against the Braves, They have five games now left. Where where exactly are you testing Drew Smith? So I defended this when Peterson did this. I'm sorry, when Buck did this with Peterson against the New York Yankees in the Subway Series. Remember when he used him out of the bullpen and he promptly gave up the two-run homer to Glaber Torres? He didn't work, but I liked it. I liked the challenge. I liked this challenge. Look, Drew Smith was one of their best relievers for the first month of the season. Then he started a struggle. Then he had the lat issue. I'm not telling you I trust Drew Smith. I'm not telling you we're ever going to trust Drew Smith. But we need to find out if we can trust Drew Smith. So I'm with Buck. I had no issue with that. Did you have an issue with that, uh, Hoff? No, I I think I'm on the same page. I I mean, we talk about like, oh, well, maybe we can get DeGrom a couple, like stretch him out a couple more games too, try to get his pitch count up. It's like there's really no time for anything. It's it's crunch time. So I, I agree. Just throw it's it's no holds barred. Just do your bet. Just throw it out there. That's what it is. It's time. And this is this is the bullpen. The bullpen is filled with auditions. David Peterson, I thought, did a really good job with his audition today, especially striking out Christian Yelich. I know he's not the Christian Yelich from a few years ago. Christian Yelich is is like a serviceable major leaguer. I think he's better than that. I don't want to say he's Brandon Nimmo, but he he kind of is, right? Like averages the same high on base doesn't hit for nearly as much pop as he used to. And if you can get past, he's not the MVP guy. Christian Yelich is still a very useful major league baseball player. And I think the Nimmo comparison is fair. If we're, I mean, I'm not going that deep into the numbers, but again, batting average is the same home runs, RBIs on base seems similar. Hoff can look up the war and tell me if, if the wars are the same. It probably won't be because of the defense. Nimmo's defense has been outstanding in center field. I'm not watching Yelich enough in left field to know where he is defensively now. But the point is, David Peterson striking out Christian Yelich with second and third one out is a thing. And we have to acknowledge that. Like, that's that's impressive. So, Drew Smith failed. Tyler McGill actually got into this game, too, because we've seen him come back. And I don't know what they have in Tyler McGill. 
Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And it's not to say the Mets are giving up on games. I'm not giving up on any game. All these games are incredibly important. But how else are you going to find out what you have specifically in McGill, Drew Smith, and David Peterson? But but look, the Mets lost the finale of this series because they couldn't hit. I mean, sometimes, like we talked about in the Chicago series, it's pretty simple. They didn't hit. They did hit, though, in the first two games of this series. And that's at least what has to make you feel good. Opener of this series, you're facing one of the best pitchers on the planet in Corbin Burns, a guy who won the Cy Young the year before. But we're excited because Max Scherzer's back. And you knew going in there was going to be a rigid pitch count on him. And when he got the first two guys out on strikeouts, I actually said out loud to my wife, kind of sucks. He won't get a chance to complete the no-hitter tonight. And she laughed. She's like, ha, ha, ha. Little did I know that Max Scherzer, forget no hitter, would retire everybody he faced over the course of six innings. But that did make pulling him a lot easier. You knew it. And I think we all understand it. I made the point, and I'm not going to belabor it here. Trust me, this is not a basketball show. But I made the point with uh, Craig that I think pulling Max has a lot of similarities in theory to maintenance days in the NBA. Now, obviously, in maintenance days in the NBA, a guy doesn't play at all. He doesn't just play 15 minutes. He doesn't play. But the whole thinking, and and I've had a chance to learn about this because I rooted for a team once that had championship aspirations. I'm not sure if they still do, though they may claim they do. But when you have veteran superstars, my thought was, I don't care about Tuesday against the Raptors. I need to be ready to win an NBA championship. And so I was always a defender of the maintenance day because the greater goal is to win a title. Max Scherzer was pulled for that exact same reason. He was pulled because the greater goal is not pitching a perfect game against the Brewers in the middle of September. The greater goal right now is to be healthy and ready for the postseason. You don't have to disagree or agree with my point. It's just I thought about it as it was happening because while it's not apples to apples, there are some similarities to it. And I remain consistent. My goal as a fan is to win a championship. If this was April or May or June or July, I probably would think differently about it because I'd say, come on, he's only thrown 68 pitches. He's Max Scherzer. Go pitch a perfect game. But when you are this close to the end of the season where Max only has two starts left that he's scheduled to make before the postseason, you cannot F around. And so why was the magic number 68 and not 88? That's up to Max Scherzer. That's up to Buck Showalter. I think what made it easier was that the game felt over when Max came out. The Mets had the 5-0 lead. Pete Alonso hit that three-run home run. Daniel Vogelback continues to break out. He smoked the RBI double. So the Mets had a lead 
to where as they're asking for nine outs, yeah, the perfect game is clearly going to be broken up. They're not pitching a combined perfect game as cool as that would be. Or would it be cool? But I felt like, all right, we got this game. Even when McGill came in and promptly gave up the two-run home run at Telez, I actually wasn't even overly concerned. I wasn't. I just felt, all right, you know what? We'll we'll figure this thing out. Especially when the Mets promptly got the runs back in the top of the eighth inning. But I get it. I get it. I think if this is a different part of the season, if Max wasn't coming off an injury, the discussion we'd have about this would be very, very different. But the fact it was his first start back off the injured list, and we all know how valuable he is to the Mets' championship chances. I accept it. I get it. I understand it. I didn't celebrate it. And the tweet I laid out that night, which for some reason people want to argue with me about, I never said they should, shouldn't take Max out. I was saying, this sucks. This sucks may just mean a situation sucks. Not that it's anybody's fault. When Matt Harvey needed Tommy John surgery, I remember screaming and yelling. I wasn't screaming at anybody individually. No one's fault for Matt Harvey needing Tommy John surgery. But what I screamed about was, this sucks. Not mad at anybody. It just sucks. And I think a situation like this is very similar. No one did anything wrong. I'm not mad at Buck Showalter. I'm not mad at Max Scherzer. I'm not mad at anybody. But I think it's fair to say, that's why I didn't understand anyone disagreeing with me. It just sucks. You'd love to see a guy have a chance to finish a perfect game. That's all. You'd love for the situation to be different. Did that frustrate you off Max coming out or you on my boat of, you accepted it. You understood it. I didn't even blink an eye. Didn't, didn't even, didn't even, like, didn't even register that he'd come out for another inning. Like, it was like, whatever. I expected, when you have somebody come off the I.L., and he pitched three and what two thirds the, the the rehab. I'm not expecting him to go more than six anyway. So it was a beautiful sight to see him be so dominant. But it was yeah, blink, no no sweat off my back. I'm sorry. I anybody you it sucked. You're right. But I can't. It, I have bigger things to to worry about. It's called the World yes. Series. Excuse me. Excuse my language. <laughs> yes. No. I get it. And, and he only he only has two more starts left. So if the Mets are trying to take it slow with him or build him back up, I mean, think about this. He's got to start against the A's. All right, another tune-up. And then he faces the Braves. So actually, if you go back to my logic that the playoffs start against Atlanta, he only has one more start before the postseason because his last regular season start is going to be, I don't want to say a must-win game. Obviously, the Mets are going to the playoffs, but an important game against the Atlanta Braves. You have me in a rabbit hole right now. I've been looking at war for the past five minutes. <laughs> you try, are you trying to figure out Christian Yelich's war versus Brandon Nimmo? Just to oh, see no, if my... I, I, I have it. I, I have a bunch. Oh, what's, the, what's the answer then? Tell All me. right, so so Yelich is 2.7. Oh. Nimmo is 4.2. Yeah, but it's the for, defense. So, But for reference, I, I can't look up a few more. Yeah. You know, guys, one guy's about to hit a, you know, another bunch of home runs this season. Aaron Judge, 9.7. Francisco Lador, 5.5. Willie Adamas, to throw it in there, 4.5. Marte, 3.7. Alonzo, a 3.6. And then Giancarlo Stanton, 0.5. But by the way, and I, you bringing this up just pisses me off. The Alonzo hate from war just drives that's, me nuts. That's why drives I say nuts. it. Uh, by the way, I, I got to give my old partner, my, my partner on Saturdays, Joe Beningo, a lot of credit. 
He said passingly on Saturday, the last show we did, boy, I tell you, Aaron Judge adds, I'd say, at least 10 wins to a team. And I jokingly <laughs> said to him, well, you just cited war. And guess what? Based on what Hoffman just read, Joe's right. <laughs> <At> 9.7. <laughs> 